we just got done recording with Bobby Withrow Clark. He is um, the department chair for the Center for Academic Success at Butte College and um, one of Josh's old friends too. And we had a really good time talking to him um, just about all things athletics and talking about mentorship. Um, he talks a little bit about, he tells us a really, really good, yet yeah, heartbreaking story about the, um, the uh, campfires that happened uh, a few years ago up in Chico. And just, um, it was really inspiring. You could tell he has a lot of resiliency and um, it was just, it was a great conversation with him. Yeah. Coach Clark's a, a really awesome guy and I, I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for a while. Uh, obviously he's not here in Sacramento, Sacramento anymore. So, you know, we weren't able to do the in-person back when we were doing in-person interviews. So obviously we've always talked about how Zoom's not ideal for the type of podcast that we love right. doing. But the cool thing about it is it does allow you to reach out to people like Coach Clark who don't live, you know, live near here and we can have this conversation. And yeah, he's just a, re a really cool guy. He's, mm -hmm. you know, all about the academic success of student athletes and young people. And he just had a lot of really great thoughts. Again, I always say this when we have a, a, a certain episode where there's a lot of really great points being made, I always feel like it makes my job easy and difficult when it comes to creating the promo piece that we use to, you know, for this episode, because mm -hmm. I feel like he said a lot of things that I could just kind of plug in there and say, Hey, this is what the episode was like. And, and as you said, the, mm -hmm. the part about him sharing his story about the paradise fire and, and taking us through that entire journey of those moments that, that led to, you know, just that terrible moment where the house was destroyed and, and everything that they owned inside was destroyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, you hate seeing that happen to anybody, but you could just tell that someone like him and his family was going to be okay because of the leadership and the resiliency that he has. And so, um, yeah, we definitely, you guys, I think you guys will enjoy this episode and I think this will be a pretty eye-opening, uh, you know, an eye-opening eye -opening experience yeah. as well with the story he shares, but yeah, incredible guy. Uh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. So anyways, we're going to, we're going to shut up now and let you get to the, <laughs> to uh, to the main <laughs> the event, good stuff. the yeah. good stuff. So here is coach Bobby Withrow Clark. See ya. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto. And I'm Deb McCollum. And today's guest is the former San Juan High School basketball coach and also the current department chair for the Center for Academic Success at Butte College, Bobby Withrow Clark. What's going on, man? Not much. Thank you for having me tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking beforehand. Coach Clark is actually one of the first coaches. So when I started working at the Character Combine, one of the first coaches uh, outside of the coaches that I already knew that really uh, connected well with me and I feel like really bought into what we were doing. And uh, we got to work together for a couple of years before you moved out of town. Um, but yeah, man, one of, one of my favorite, favorite coaches that I didn't play for. Um, you're just an awesome guy. I was joking with you beforehand. Probably, I'm going to just give you this award right now. I don't know if this is true, but you're probably the coaches in the best shape in this, <laughs> in, in, uh, in this entire area. I'm just going to go for it and say that because if you know coach, coach is shredded. 
And uh, <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to be an athlete that crosses coach. <laughs> so we'll get that out of the way, man. I don't mean to embarrass you, but I have to, I have to tell the people that. I mean, you know, I, I'll take it. it, it I, I've been called worse. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think we all have. <laughs> yeah, you gotta stay. You gotta stay as in shape as your athletes, or be more in shape than your athletes. Sometimes I think just intimidate you, them a little bit. You know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I don't want to. I know there there might be other coaches listening to this, so it, I don't. This doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but I would say it worked in my advantage <laughs> when. <laughs> my players would challenge me and I said, okay, uh, let's do things your way and we'll do things my way. So let's actually put this into practice. Let me, let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. You know, try to score on me or, or, you know, uh, let's do some lines, you know, 17s if I can score on you. And so I miss those days. I mean, my, my, my athletes, uh, definitely pushed me and motivated me, uh, to, to stay in shape. And I just never lost that, that fire. So, Oh, that's awesome. That's gotta be, that's gotta be one of those things where you kind of gain a reputation too. Right. So the year you have a certain, uh, a certain group of athletes and then that following year, everybody's like, dang, don't, don't challenge coach because <laughs> coach will, you know, coach will do suicides with you and you know, I can do all these drills with you and he'll probably beat you. So that's gotta be a good feeling for sure. Yeah. Except, you know, I got to an age, I mean, where, you know, being a basketball coach, the, the big thing was like, can you dunk coach? Can you dunk? Oh. And so the last thing to go for a basketball player is their jump shot. Right. Um, the first thing to go is their ability to dunk a basketball. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> um, but luckily, awesome. you know, as, as they always say, a dunk is only worth two points. So right. uh, Boom. You know, there you go. There, there was, I always had that in my back pocket. I said, but can you beat me in one-on-one? So, Right. I like that. That's good. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I, I want to say one more thing too before we get started, kind of going down memory lane. So this is embarrassing because I know on this podcast, I've shared a story about one of my worst speaking uh, moments, and that was for Coach Clark's team. And uh, it was the first oh. time he had me come speak. You were coaching at Encina, and we gave, a, we gave an award to Adrian Adler and two other guys. I, I can't remember the other guys' names. But I was supposed to do like a 15-minute talk, and it was the worst talk I've ever given. My uh, girlfriend at the time, now my wife, was there for the first time ever seeing me speak. And I'm like, I was feeling myself because I had a, a, a talk a week before, and I killed it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to prepare. And I came in, and it was the most embarrassing thing. At one point, I even said, guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really a basketball fan. I mean, a fanatic. I mean, like, oh, I just told the basketball team that I don't like basketball, which is not even true. <laughs> I I enjoy basketball. I don't even know why I said that. So I started saying just crazy stuff, and uh, it was the most embarrassing thing. But uh, luckily, coach was gracious, and I think a year later, you asked me to speak to San Juan, and I think it went significant, significantly better. In fact, that was the one and only time that I did that wall sit talk. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Really? Yeah. Nobody, else, was... nobody else wanted it. I tried wow. to get coaches to let me do it, and they're like, no, we're good. <laughs> so basically, we just, you know, there's a whole talk that goes with it, but we're like, hey, you know, there's this idea that your opponent's going to tell you not to show up, so don't even bother. Uh, you, your teammates or, or your coach is going to say, Hey, I, I can, I believe you can do a wall sit for say 10 minutes. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how much do you believe in yourself and how much do you guys believe in each other? So if you get to 10 minutes as coach is asking of you, that's great. You've, you've met your goals, but who's willing to exceed it. And so wow. they had guys doing what you guys hit 30 minutes, I think 30 minutes straight yeah. wall sits. Yeah. Wow. So it was a cool one, but yeah, nobody else wanted it coach. <laughs> well, um. did you have to do a wall sit with them josh no no i'm, I'm, the, I'm the speaker i don't have to do that stuff 
I just oh, instructions. That would be, be so cool if you did the wall sit with them while you talked. I wouldn't be able to talk. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Deb, if you're wondering, I, as the coach, uh, sure as heck didn't do the wall sit. Um, <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah. My, my, my legs feel like jello just hearing that term wall sit. Hey, <laughs> let me, um, you know, I honestly don't remember um, you butchering your, your speech at Encina. But what I do remember, Josh, is uh, uh, Adrian um, and those other players, how much it meant to them for you to show up and recognize them. Um, in particular, I remember you had all the swag. And for some of the student athletes that had seen a preparatory, that was no, no small thing. And um, so I'm not exactly sure uh, how horrible of a speech it was, but I think the message that was intended to get intended to get across did. And so I appreciate that because um, I do remember that day and I have pictures uh, of that day and, and I, and I look at old pictures um, yeah. and I have pictures of that wall set too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is funny. I don't know if you, you ever seen pictures of, of, of individuals like their faces when they're doing wall sets. It's um, <laughs> as a coach, as a coach, you, you, it, it's the small things in life you, you, uh, you know, take pleasure from. So right. yeah, that was awesome too. I mean, yeah, it was a fun uh, one. Yeah, it was. Uh, of course, we didn't have conditioning for about three or four days after that. Yeah. Um, we, we had to give, had to give a few days off. Um, yeah. But they learned character, so that's good. For sure. Well, good. Hey, uh, that makes me feel so much better because for six or seven years, I've been carrying this with me, which has been a good thing. It's like a good motivator. I'm like, I can never do that to myself again or, or uh, you know, take that, take that kind of just weak talk to a team again because they deserve better. Uh, and you probably don't remember it because it wasn't memorable. So... <laughs> I'm glad that you, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was a, uh, that was a fun talk. The wall sit one was fun for sure, man. And like yeah. I said, no other coaches wanted me to do it. I told them about it and they're like, nah, just do a different talk. I'm like, all right, cool. But, um, it was funny because I think some of the guys thought we were trying to trick them. Cause when they said, okay, you guys still have conditioning to do. So let's, let's cut it off here. And they're like, one kid was still on the wall. Then, you know, it's not a trick. Like, I'm not going to think less of you, like get off the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's time, time to move on with practice. But yeah, it was, you know, it was fun. thank you for bringing that up, man. That was a, uh, a unique group of uh, athletes I, I coached that that season, yeah. and uh, you know I had forgotten about that. Um, and, and there were some of my student athletes who exceeded my expectations. Um, I'll be honest with you; I, I had my doubts at a certain point. I'm like, "There's just no way." And to see them grind it out and stick with it was really inspiring. And for them. I mean, if you think about it, right, uh, they recognized, wait a minute, like I have more in the tank, like, they, right, you know, right. and, and so, and, and so that was a really uh, powerful experience for them. So again, thank you. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome yeah. to hear. So um, anyways, uh, Deb, we have some coach, we have some warm up questions that we usually start off with. <laughs> we kind of went down memory lane a little bit, but uh, okay. Deb, Deb, what questions do you have for coach today? All right, so I usually ask um, our guests three questions. Um, one of them is a signature question, but that will be the last one. I ask every guest that question, but the first two are just kind of random. So just to kind of get you all loose for uh, the next however long we're going to, five hours. You're available for five more hours to talk, right? <laughs> we agreed on that, right, Josh? Five hours. Yes, I think five hours, sure. <laughs> yeah. After that wall, after that, that, that wall sit, yeah. walk down memory lane, like how can I say no? That's true. Maybe a, a mental, mental wall sit. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Just kidding, just kidding. Okay, so question number one. 
Um, where is your dream vacation spot? Like if you could pick anywhere in the world, somewhere you've been or maybe you want to go, where is the, a dream vacation spot? I don't think I've ever asked a guest this question. I don't Have think I? so. A dream vacation spot? I don't know. I just felt like uh, thinking about vacation already. Yeah. Um, well, considering we've been in lockdown for so long, um, yeah. I, anywhere out of Chico? I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah. You know, shoot, I've been thinking about this a lot. So um, I've been, you know, wanting to go to Belize for a very long time. Mm. Um, you know, check out the coral reef and, and they have some awesome uh, little islands. But yeah, um, I'm kind of a, a beach bum. Um, Belize um, would be up there, Costa Rica. Um, but yeah, those those are my top two right now. Have nice. you been to either of those places? Or I you have want not. To go? And it, yeah, okay. and it's kind of a sore subject because I, I was I had two trips planned to Belize many years ago that mm. fell through. Mm. Um, and for a lot of reasons, I really believe in the old adage, third time's a charm, because it seems like after three times yeah. of trying a lot of different things, um, it's worked out for me. So I feel good right, about right. when we can actually start vacationing a little more. Um, but yeah, those, those fish, they better watch out because I am all up in that cor- coral reef. Here I come, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We'll They've be sure to warn them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was good. All right. So question number two. So we're recording on a Friday night. So um, I really love the movie Freaky Friday. Um, so I always like to think for fun, like if I could, so, I'm at, so I'll ask you, if you could switch bodies with one person for a full day, who would it be? Like a Freaky Friday real life wow. moment. Um, I know, right? <laughs> it's a loaded question. Have you ever thought about that, Josh? I think, no, uh, a little bit. I usually, I think about it when you ask this question, but not, uh, mm-hmm. not consistently. I think we've talked about this a little bit before, though. I think so, uh, yeah. But I can't remember who I said. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I would have to say, because this, you stumped me there for a, a moment, because I'm not sure, huh? Or um, I can open up the question to, it doesn't have to be a human. So I have an answer for you. I do okay. have an answer. Um, can it be somebody in their, so it doesn't have to be somebody currently, I mean, somebody, like, so I, I guess I'm choosing Vince Carter in his prime. Oh, nice. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like oh, that. Yeah, it could be any place, anytime, okay. anyone. That's really good. <laughs> anything. Yeah. Nice. Um, being a basketball player and, you know, being six foot nothing, um, I think being six, 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 seven, and being being able to bounce out of the gym, um, just to know what that would be like for one day. Um, and then when my athletes would ask me, can you dunk coach? I'm like, you know, <laughs> actually – yeah, standard. Um, let, let me show you. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that would be awesome. awesome. Be cool to experience the uh, his moments in the dunk contest, like just to be, ex- be uh, experience all of those dunks that he did. That'd be incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a good choice. I was I was not expecting yeah. that. I'll be honest with you. That was good. That was pretty creative too. I like You're that. like in time in his prime. That was good. Yep. Right. Well, so. some of the other answers I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I don't know how to explain that. And that's kind of weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we'll take it. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. And so um, the last question I ask every guest is, so I'm always interested in, I love music and I think it just is good for the soul and there's, you know, different music kind of puts you in different moods. I'm always interested in what everyone's 
I call it their life song, like what your life song is. So if you could pick a song that just kind of describes not maybe your entire life because your entire life does not stay the same. If they go through ups and downs and different stages and phases in your life. But if you could think of like maybe the phase of life you're in currently, or maybe over the past year or two, if you could think of a song that just kind of, you're like, yep, that song right there is, um, speaks to it. I call it a life song. You know, it's like the biggest loaded, most loaded question ever, but some guests cheat and listen to podcasts and hear me say that. And then they have it ready ahead of time. But yeah. if you don't have it ready, it's a hard question to answer. <laughs> um, I know I just song? got, I have a song in mind, but I got to figure out the name of it. Uh, give me one moment. So I'm not cheating. No problem. I'm just kidding. That's a hard one. The it's show tough. goes on by Lupe, by Lupe Fiasco. Oh, that's a, that's that's a really a good, good song. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Oh, no one's ever said that one. No one no. has said that one nope. yet. Uh, no, I, was, I think a, that might be the first Lupe reference. So well done, coach. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That was good. As soon as you said it, now the music, now it's like in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, is there, is yeah. there a specific reason for that song? Absolutely. So um, as Deb was kind of framing it for me, I was thinking, gosh, like, how does it capture my life or, or the particular space I'm in now? And sure. I just love that song. It, it, it's mm-hmm. all about you know, resilience. It's, it's about mm-hmm. overcoming challenges. And, and so anytime you hear that song, one, I think Lupe is a uh, fantastic artist. He, he's uh, just lyrically a, a talented individual, but um, the beat and, and it's just, it just kind of is one of those songs where you're, you're not feeling the best version of yourself and you, you need that, that pump up, that pump yeah. up song. That's my go-to. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the reason behind it perfect that's awesome yes you know sorry go ahead Deb no no I was gonna say that I think that can hopefully fit a lot of people's lives like you know like I I always I'd like to think that everyone thinks knows that they're resilient because people are super resilient you know some people don't don't believe that they are and like athletes don't believe that they are but I think that's a good a good one especially to explain to athletes that everyone is resilient anyway Oh yeah, and that's just yeah. a great question. I think music, right, captures uh, uh-huh. our, our lives, right? It's like right. A, a reflection of who we are as human beings and all the humanness involved in that. And and so I think music is is something we can, especially during these times, right? I think it's it's important to have uh, right. an outlet to to express ourselves and just uh, I, I don't so know, too. feel better. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. This yeah. is gonna be weird. This is gonna be weird. Uh, but this goes back to the the wall sit. Uh, practice that i did with you guys you were actually playing letting go by lupe fiasco why i remember that i have no idea oh. <laughs> it's, it's weird right it's stuck with me i'm a big hip-hop fan so i'm like oh this is like no, i'll just say this not many coaches that i speak to uh are playing hip-hop during their practice so <laughs> that's probably why it stuck out to me yeah i'm starting to get kind of worried like that was that was a very significant uh, time in your life josh that was I'm, wow. the, the more I talk about, it, I'm starting to worry now too. It should have been like my you know, getting married, the birth of my child, all that stuff. But I'm remembering Coach Clark's basketball practice <laughs> and wall sits. Yeah, no, that that was one of uh, my most uh, memorable uh, moments as a coach and just in general. So, um, yeah. So I guess apparently I'm a, a big Lupe Fiasco fan. I guess so. <laughs> how, how how can you not be? So yeah, and, right. you know, I mean. I tried playing country music during my strength and conditioning workouts and my athletes weren't really, I don't know, they just didn't seem to respond. And so I thought, well, 
Maybe I'll switch right. on my music playlist. Nice. Well, it, it worked. It worked. It yeah. stuck with me at least. So, yeah. uh, hey, man, you survived the warm-up questions. Well done. Thank you. Oh, wait. Yeah. There's more? There's more. Hey, yeah. This is the, this oh, is the yeah. easy <laughs> stuff. Yeah, this is the easy oh. stuff. The warm-up questions are brutal, but the rest of it, yeah, this is simple stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Bring here it. we go. So, uh, well, so hey, man, let me, I need to go play Lupe Fiasco. I need to, yeah, I need to get yourself pumped up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we get it, man. Take your time. We'll, we'll just yeah. be waiting here. <laughs> hey, so uh, we'd like to ask everybody the same question, and that is, what's your athletic and coaching background, and then how did you end up where you are right now? Uh, yeah, so um, I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. I, I love sport. Uh, raised by a single mom, and so uh, the best way for her to keep me engaged was just was to put me in sports year round. And so uh, that's who I was. I was, I was an athlete and um, I ended up uh, playing high school basketball, Cordova high school. Um, I was uh, starting shooting guard in the, in the backcourt my junior and senior year. And in fact, uh, my junior year, I, uh, I was in the backcourt alongside Seneca Wallace. So uh, oh, former wow. NFL star Seneca Wallace. So that was kind of a cool experience. Very cool. Um, and then ended up playing some community college uh, ball at Sierra College. Um, and after that, um, I uh, moved on to coaching. Did you ask also my coaching background or just athletic background? Uh, both. Both. Both, yeah. So um, kind of took a break from sport, you know, started focusing on school and uh, one day I got an itch to, to be involved and, and I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to re resurrect my illustrious basketball career. So maybe I'll coach. Um, and it, it was, you know, my first coaching gig was at this school called Barrett Middle School in Carmichael, California. Um, and that was such a, an awesome experience. So I coached there for three seasons. Um, uh, I made mention earlier, I think about this idea of third time's a charm, uh, in reference to the Belize trip. The reason I brought that up is uh, my first two seasons there, we were in the championship game and we would lose to the same team. And so the third season, same team and we beat them. And so I just remember thinking, gosh, third time's a charm. So that was pretty cool. Nice. And then I went on to, uh, Encina preparatory high school was the JV head basketball coach there. And then, uh, varsity assistant, and same thing. I think I was there for three years. And, and as the JV head coach, we'd get to, we would always uh, miss out on the league championship by like one game. We were like second place team in league. And I think the th third season I was there, we, we won league. And so, um, uh, and we had a, a pretty good run with our varsity team as well uh, in the playoffs uh, the last couple of years I was there. And then I went over to San Juan High School, which was interesting because San Juan was a league rival so that was an interesting transition, but uh, it was just a, a great opportunity for me because I got a, 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 a teaching uh, position uh, on campus. And so I was the uh, varsity assistant and then eventually took over the program as a varsity head coach of San Juan High School, um, which is, you know, luckily where I got to work with uh, you, Josh. Um, of course, um, I was working with you prior at Encino Preparatory High School as well. But um, and let's see. Yeah. And then I ended up getting a job out of the area and um left coaching at that point that was about six or seven years ago so i i miss it um but i do i do uh work with a lot of student athletes at butte college in a different capacity um but but i yeah i miss coaching and and um athletics 
has always been a huge part of my life. That's awesome. Um, That's great. You know, I was just what thinking. Is your, through, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Deb. Oh, sorry. What is your, by the way, my, Josh and I, my Zoom is freezing again. So if you see my face frozen, just wait until it's unfrozen. <laughs> yeah, she, she's not bored. Know. She's just uh, stuck. Okay. I was like, was it something I said? No. <laughs> Oh my God. He no. didn't say anything offensive. What's going on, Deb? Oh, she's no, like <laughs> that whole time. No. Yeah. That whole time that happened twice that you were talking and I was like, Oh, and what it does is it'll catch up. And so it'll have you talk really fast. And so I'll hear everything, but it'll, it'll just lag. So anyway, just a heads up that way. The you guys joys of like, zoom. Okay. Huh? Yeah. No, so yeah. anyway, just a heads up. <laughs> but okay, um, I was, should have said it before we started recording. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we were talking about, Bobby. The professionalism that we have. That's yeah, <laughs> you're doing, you're doing what, a great job. In what capacity? Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're too nice. Um, I was, that's what, really that's coach talk for like this. This, I, this, this is a struggle right now. <laughs> Try to stay positive. Okay. Uh, better right. you than better than you than I. Anyway, that's a good point. <laughs> our listeners are used to it by now. I think. Yeah. Um, in what capacity do you work with um, student athletes at Pew College? Like what? Like what's your role there? And like how does? Um, how does that fit into the world of athletics with you? Yeah, so as the department chair um, for the Center uh, for Academic Success at Butte College, one of our, our programs within the Center for Academic Success, so and we call it CAS for short, so CAS is our uh, SAS program. We love uh, acronyms, and SAS stands for Student Athlete Success Program. Cool. And so I work very closely with uh, one of our football coaches. His name is Coach Wally Funk. Coolest name ever, right? Coach that's, Wally Funk. That's pretty um, dope. I like that. That's awesome. Right? Uh, and so he's a running backs coach for uh, Butte College. And so he's one of my employees and, and my colleagues. And so uh, in partnership with him, we offer uh, targeted support for our student athletes. So we have um, a space where they can come in and, and um, work on, you know, homework. And then um, I run a tutoring center. So our student athletes, because of our SAS program are directly connected to academic support through tutors. Um, it's a really great program. And I work with a lot of students in my role through academic coaching. And I've had a lot of uh, student athletes be with me for academic coaching. And it's interesting. Um, a lot of different things come up, um, you know, it, being a, a college athlete, especially a community college athlete, you're like you're struggling for identity, right? Um, you don't quite know if, if you're going to be continuing in sport and so there's this identity crisis of sorts. And so I, I actually have a lot of conversations with, uh, with athletes about, uh, you know, focusing on school, but also, you know, trying to stay positive and keep their dreams of playing sport alive. So, um, uh, you know, again, being affiliated with that program within our center uh, brings me in great contact with a lot of uh, student athletes from, from all over um, our, our program. So uh, men's, women's, um, uh, it's really cool. And, and so that has been really good to keep me connected to athletics. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So, you know, something I'm always curious about is because obviously, you know, at the combine, we're focused, you know, not only on the character, uh, integrity, honor of the athletes, but we're also, we want to see them compete at the highest level they possibly can. But a big part of, you know, our audience being high school coaches and athletes is the fact that they're student athletes. And so, you know, this is as a coach at the various levels you've coached at, especially once you get to high school where the grades can prevent you from playing. What is it, what is it with, like a, with a, an athlete's mentality or their mindset that makes it difficult for some athletes to either 
want to excel in the classroom too, because we know, we know for a fact that it's not that they're not smart. I mean, I would say a lot of these athletes are incredibly smart and you still look at their grades and some of them are still struggling. What, in your opinion, as a, as a teacher, as a person who's the success um, or academic success chair, what would you say is kind of like the big hurdles that athletes, you know, deal with when it comes to the classroom? Yeah, you know, um, I think part of it is, is a cultural thing. And not to say that, I mean, I know I have a lot of coaching colleagues. I've worked with amazing coaches. I've been coached by amazing coaches. I think most coaches value academics. But I think as a culture, um, that's not what a lot of these young, you know, men and women are seeing, right? They're, they're seeing these athletes performing at a high level and they're seeing them on these commercials and it's because of their sport, right? And so I think there's this conditioning mentally that uh, that's, that's the way for some of them to, to excel. And, and so, um, and, and they're young. I mean, so when we talk about the high school athlete and, and I can talk about the college athlete here in a moment, but the high school athlete, I mean, they're still learning themselves and growing into who they are. Um, and, I, and I think they identify strongly with that sport and they're passionate about it. And so um, it's difficult uh, for them to sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes young people can, can become single-minded, like single-track minded. And so sport becomes that, that ultimate goal, they're part of their identity. It's tough for them to recognize that, you know, you can do two things at once uh, and be good at both. And so I just think, like you said, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an attitude. It's a mental thing. Um, it's definitely not an ability thing. And I can go on about the, you know, cause my background is learning science and psychology. And so uh, athletes actually are uniquely equipped to be the best um students because of for a variety of reasons i mean anybody who's played a sport and had to learn plays and 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 uh, playbooks and 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 uh, you know adapt on the fly i mean that that those are using parts of the brain that are necessary for being successful in the classroom so it's a matter of having people make that connection for them inspire them and say hey like all you need to do is kind of pivot and use the same skills you're learning on the field or on the court in the classroom. And, and it could, a lot of times it can be easy for you. Um, so yeah, I, I just think, um, and then for some people, there's a lot going on in their lives. And, and so um, that can cause some distractions, but I, I just think it's a matter of them being exposed and, and, and uh, encouraged to, to focus on the academics. Yeah, great. I think we could stop the podcast right there. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drop the mic right there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those moments where we're like, he could take over for us. We don't need to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I've said this too. I probably I feel like a million guests at this point. But would you consider doing a podcast of your own? Um, I, mm, you should. Put him on the I'll spot, answer. Josh. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer for you. You should. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you, you, you don't give yourself enough credit. I, I could not be in your seat. You and you and Deb are, are definitely talent, more talented than, than I. Oh, I guess you'd be surprised. Sure, I, can, I can be, I'll be a regular guest. How about that? That's a thing, right? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey be careful, man. I'll yeah. take you up on that. Right. He'll, don't, yeah. Cause then he'll give me the boot boot and pretty soon before you know it, you're going to be the co-host. Yeah. That's how it's going to happen. I think you're safe, but thank you. We'll see. You know, you know, really, you know, really scares me about making you my co-host is your wife, coach. Based on what you said earlier, it sounds like your wife. I might be getting a call from your wife's like, "Hey, 
No. Kill, kill this podcast thing. <laughs> I, I, I almost went there too, but then I didn't want to create this like image that one, I'm a horrible, you know, husband and I'm a workaholic, but also I didn't want to paint her as this like overbearing wife. But it, that was the first thing that popped in my head. If, if I'm being honest, when you said, would you ever consider, I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be the straw, man. I don't know. There you go. All right. We'll just, we'll cut That's that out of the podcast. Reasonable. Forget I said that. It was a bad suggestion. I value, I value your marriage more than uh, you having a podcast of your own. So there we okay. go. Next, next question. <laughs> um, um, no, go ahead. No, you know, I was just thinking, um, you know, thinking back to when you and I first met. So I actually did it. My first meeting with you was not at Encina and uh, forgive me. I can't remember the organization you were working for, but it was, I believe it was on Auburn Boulevard. Shoot. So yeah, was that people reaching out? People reaching out. Yeah. That's actually where I first met you. You, okay. um, you had someone that I think was interning there. Uh, uh, Lauren, um, uh, Bacala, Lauren Bacala. Yeah. She was interning with us as well. And we were trying to find someone to give an award to. And she said, Hey, there's this guy that I know that's great and doing this, you know, mentoring thing. Um, so I was just thinking that's actually where I first met you, which is kind of the, the segue into this next part, which is, you know, obviously you have a background in mentoring and mentorship. So, you know, I mean, I think we, we see coaches as, as teachers, as leaders. Um, and I think they're considered mentors too. I mean, is there a difference between coaching and mentoring or is it kind of one and the same? Um, hmm. I think there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Uh, I, there, there are some differences, uh, but I think to answer this question, I, I would say coaches just like athletes, um, you know, are you unique positions to, to be great um, uh, students. Coaches have a unique opportunity to be amazing mentors because there are a lot of skills and qualities that are associated with both uh, being a great coach and a great mentor. Um, so absolutely. I mean, um, I, I will say this, uh, the, the mentors that I can think about off the top of my head um, are, are the majority of them are coaches. So. Oh, interesting. Awesome. I guess that That's makes good. sense though. Cause a lot of the same types yeah. of skills, right. Um, go into those things. So it makes sense that a, a, a great coach could potentially also be a great mentor for someone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Well, and just, I mean, looking back at the coaches that I had and then, you know, including the coaches I've worked with, um, they were excellent mentors, you know, to myself as well. Um, I just think that coaching, you know, is it, it like, correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby, Bobby, but like coaching and mentorship kind of go hand in hand in terms of, um, I don't, gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. Maybe you can explain it better than me, but I feel like, I feel like they, they do make good mentors. Like at, at least in my experience, they have been, even for me, like as like on a coaching staff, like with Mary Jo, I mean, I couldn't ask to be part of a better, you know, program than that, but like she was right. even a mentor. Not only was she, you know, is she a mentor to her athletes, but she's, you know, to myself as well. You know, yeah. there's just that wisdom imparted on those coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if that made sense. It, it did. And the operative and, word right there was wisdom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, I love it. yeah. No, absolutely. I think, um, in a lot of ways, coaches, you know, have a, what we would refer to as a, as a, 
a captive audience sometimes. Um, you know, so the athletes are working with, obviously they're, they're around them so often that they definitely make a huge impact on their lives. Um, right. And, and then coaches just have a lot of qualities typically that make good mentors. Right. Um, yeah. having that wisdom and, 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 um, and the, the courage and, and, and confidence in the sense that, you know, not arrogant, but just confident in the ability to lead others. And I think that's what, you know, mentees. So, so individuals that are looking for mentoring or, or are receiving mentorship, um, those are the things that, that, gravitate or that they gravitate towards right, and, right. And with the mentor. So, yeah. What I always, I, f- I always felt too with mentorship and people who are leaders, I always felt like the best leaders, best mentors were intentional with everything that they do. So it's not like they're just, Hey, I love coaching. I'm just going to coach because I enjoy the game and I love the X's and O's. I think someone who, who's both a coach, a you know, leader, a mentor is someone who says, yeah, I love the game. I love the X's and O's, but I also understand there's a greater, bigger game that's being played and that everything, you know, as we mentioned before, every lesson, every discipline, every, you know, um, time I, wor- I challenge someone's work ethic, that's going to benefit them later down the road when they have families, when they have their careers, as they're kind of grinding things out. And so I always felt like that was a, a big part of if someone's a mentor, Every, it's almost like every word they spoke or every decision they make was, you know, they made it with a certain level of intentionality and it wasn't just, sure. they, there were no wasted words. There were no wasted actions. There was no wasted part of their practice or their game plan. Like everything had a, a purpose and it wasn't just a single minded purpose. It was, you know, it was like multi-level, right? It's like, hey, we could win a game doing this, but it's also going to make these people better, you know, men and women in the future too. So I, I feel like it's a big part of being a mentor uh, or a leader. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, so so it's kind of, Oh, good. Sorry, man. We keep doing that. This is a rough one today. We keep cutting each other off. I know. Well, that's, that's the thing with zoom. We didn't do it. We didn't do that this much in person. I think it's the lag over zoom. Let's just blame it on that. We'll blame it on that. Okay. (laughs) What do you got? (laughs) Well, it was just, you know, how, uh, you know, you were talking about just, um, an athlete being, um, an actual, you know, actually being a good student and being, you know, doing well in the classroom just because of their, you know, ability to learn new skills and new plays and, um, you know, just being attentive at least for the most part. So, I mean, I, you know, we all know it's important for them to, um, you know, you know, remain high on the academic standard, especially, you know, with grades, they have to get good grades, but, um, and your, you know, point of view from your professionalism, how important is it to maintain a high standard, for the academic success of, you know, the athletes and the team. Yeah. Yeah, um, To me, this was something that uh, I believe went hand in hand. I believe the the academics and, and being an athlete were one and the same in the sense that you, you know, I mean, if you're going to be an excellent athlete or at least strive to be an excellent athlete, you might as well take that same type of mentality to everything that you do. And so um, for me as a coach, I also felt it was really important to honor my student athletes. And um, it would be almost insulting if I expected them to be lesser of a student than, than an athlete. And so um, it, was, it wasn't always easy. It, you know, again, it kind of goes back to that whole mentality and culture that some of the student athletes are trying to navigate. But um, yeah, I, 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 as a coach and, and even now, as, as you know, my son plays, you know, um, or has played sport before the pandemic, 
um, you know, we always uh, instilled in him that, you know, uh, you also need to be a student. I mean, there's a reason why, and I'm, I'm sure this is a cliche, and then and probably many have, yes, have said this, right? We don't call them athlete students. We call them student athletes for a reason. And so mm-hmm. I, I truly believe in that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, yeah. it's important to, to raise the academic bar for all athletes. Yeah. Well, I think it's, and correct me, I've never, I've never coached at a high, at a high level, but, you know, working with a combine and being around a lot of coaches and athletes, I always felt like this, this, I mean, we talk about all the time, the balance between student and athlete and how, like you said, student comes before athlete. And it, I think it all sounds great, but I think sometimes we watch a movie like coach Carter and that's that whole, right. That whole movie is based around this idea of academic excellence. Um, not, you know, placing that before, uh, athletic success and I think that those types of movies inspire us. But then I think when you actually get into the reality of situations, I think it becomes way more difficult, right? Because, you know, it's like you're trying to balance all this stuff. And that's the goal that you should try to, to strive for. But then sometimes you get into a position it's like, dang, if I, if I try to hold them to this standard, which I know they need, I could be playing with a lot less guys right now because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, and not that it's right, but it's like I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, a, it's a more challenging thing than we maybe make it seem like sometimes. So I'll have to, I'll have to share something with you. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was what my first gig at, at Encino Preparatory High School, or maybe it was when I took over the, the varsity program and maybe I had watched coach Carter too many times. Um, but I, I think I, I can't remember. It's been a while, but I think I went in thinking, Oh, I'm going to raise the minimum GPA. And for a player to play for me, um, it's going to be this. And, there was an administrator that said, yeah, good luck with that. Um, so not in a, in a, in a bad way, but it was yeah. just like, you know, um, yeah. it, it sounds good. And so um, what I did at San Juan is you could only be a captain if you had a 3.0 or higher. And oh. so um, I thought that was a great compromise and yeah. it, it was a big deal. Um, you know, I remember as an athlete in high school that, um, when I made co-captain, it was, it was phenomenal. And to be honest with you, I mean, I was, you know, uh, talented, but it had to do with my, my academic background as well. My coach, uh, wanted one of the captains to, to reflect, um, what it means to be a high level student athlete. And so I just remember that as a player and how my coach, uh, coach Bob Jones, at Cordova high school really valued that piece. And so I wanted to emulate that. And so at San Juan high school, um, you know, I, 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 if you, even to be considered for a, a captain role, um, you had to maintain a 3.0. And if for some reason you drop below that, then we would have to look at, um, another, another, um, athlete. So that's, that's awesome. That's a really good compromise. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, you're, you're kind of playing with the, with the cards that you're dealt. Right. And, if that's that still gives that incentive to to help them strive for something greater, but you're not taking on this massive challenge, like you said, of trying to raise the uh, the GPA for the entire team uh, for that season. I was waiting for the moment where you put the lock on the gym and you're like, no one's playing this this week until we get the grades <laughs> up. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't think I'm, I I quite had the Coach Carter effect. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that, would, that would have been awesome so hey we're gonna we're gonna take a kind of like a hard hard uh, right here um, sure but 
I, forgive me, I can't remember how many years ago this was, but uh, when the, the Chico fires, obviously we've had a ton of wildfires recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like, I mean, man, it feels like the last five years we've had just a ton. Um, but you were directly affected by the Chico fires, you and your family. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, what you went through in those moments. And then, man, I just want to kind of know like, how you, you know, maintain resiliency during that time and how you maintain I mean, I don't even know if positivity is the right word, but I mean, I guess, how, how did you fight for positivity and resiliency in those moments? So just take us to that whole thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah. Um, so the, the fire you're referring to uh, will be forever known as the campfire. And it was actually, uh, it, it, well, it started um, near the town of paradise. And so um, it, 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 essentially wiped out the entire town of paradise, which is where I was living, um, which is up the, up the road a bit up in the foothills, um, on the ridge above Chico. So Chico sits in the Valley. Now Chico was, was at some point, some points, um, in danger. And so it was pretty scary moment for everyone, um, in, in the city of Chico. Uh, I can tell you the exact day and year, November 8th, 2018. I can tell you that. And I'll never forget that day because it's actually my birthday. Oh, oh no way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. Just, oh. True story. Um, oh, man. Not a good birthday. Yeah. I, 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 so, so this is, this is a true story. I'm, it's probably, gosh, you know, people always ask me, like, what time was this? And, you know, I can't really remember the exact time. But I think I was leaving my driveway from a house in paradise. Uh, the morning of my birthday, November eight, uh, 2018. Yeah. And I'm, I'm driving down my driveway. It's probably around 7, maybe 7.30 in the morning. And so the, the sun was rising. And it was a beautiful sunrise. It was like this orangey, beautiful red color. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, the universe has given me this beautiful sunrise on my birthday. But have, have, I had experienced, you know, uh, fires in the area. And you get used to what it looks like. And then it hit me. Like a moment later, I'm like, oh. That, that's a sunrise uh, because there's smoke in the air. And so I knew there was a fire. Um, but, you know, I didn't think much of it because so back in 2018, we were we were increasingly starting to see a lot more fires in California and then in uh, surrounding areas like Washington and Oregon. And anytime there was a fire in Washington and Oregon and on the wind, we'd get the smoke, um, you know, blown down south to, to Chico. So I didn't really think anything of it. I, I figured it was just a fire that was, you know, somewhat close someplace. And so driving out and then I'm driving along the Canyon, heading down to work. So Butte college uh, main campus is uh, where I was living in lower paradise was about 15 or 20 minutes uh, down the Ridge in the Valley from my house. So um, I'm driving, you know, through the canyons and I look to, the, to my left out my, my window and the, the, the smoke was, quite quite thicker than normal like like I could I, I recognized I'm like wow like this this is probably closer than than I originally thought but even then I didn't think anything of it right so I drive down and I'm now um at at the campus and I look behind me up at the 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 ridge you know the the the, the kind of the mountain ridge and there's this huge plume of smoke, right? You see those, those movies or, or documentaries about like, you know, atomic bombs and stuff like that. And you see that like mushroom cloud. And it was like that. And what was eerie about that is when I was looking at this huge 
mushroom of smoke, like the, the location of it, I was like, wow, that's like literally where I just came from. And so that kind of raised a red flag. But, but even then, you know, I'm checking my phone for notifications, nothing's coming through. And so I go into the department, uh, you know, my department, Center for Academic Success, and start opening up shop and, and, and you know, getting ready for my day. And um, as people start trickling in, my colleagues, uh, you know, I'm, I'm booting up my computer. Um, I, I pulled up a, a somebody who um, is on Facebook um, called Butte WX Spotter, and they're just like local who, who you know, scans the radio channels, right? You know, uh, radio scanners. And uh, it popped up on my Facebook feed that there were mandatory evacuations for, for certain zones. And so I had never really learned what zone of paradise I lived in, right? And so I had to like figure out which zone I was a part of. And, and, and lo and behold, my zone was uh, under mandatory evacuation. And my, co my co uh, colleague who also lived in paradise was just checking in. And I looked to our department secretary and my colleague and I say, hey, uh, it says my zone is under mandatory evacuation. I'm new to this. What's going on? They're like, you need to go home now. And so I hopped in my car, uh, sped up the ridge. And when I got into town, it was really dark. Um, I hadn't seen any flames at that point. I pull into my neighborhood and, and it was really uh, eerily quiet. There wasn't a whole lot of commotion. I did notice there were some extra cars at the house across the street from me. And, and so... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was uh, crazy. Uh, I started, you know, packing up stuff. We have three dogs, and so I, I got their kennels ready and their leashes. You know, I wanted to make sure they were ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, started packing our to-go bags, and I was moving relatively, relatively urgently, but, um, you know, calmly. And then it wasn't until I saw my neighbors across the street running in and out of their house, throwing stuff into their cars, and, and then my neighbor was on his roof, leaf blowing his, his roof, and it started getting darker, um, and so Melanie, the one, you know, uh, neighbor across the street runs over and says, Hey, do you need help? We're getting out of here. Um, she asked me like, which way are you going to, to, to drive down the Ridge? And I said, I don't know which, which way are you leaving? She's like, well, you can't go uh, towards the hospital because the hospital's on fire. And the reason why that's significant is because the hospital was like this landmark, uh, where I knew how close the fire was. Um, and also, <laughs> random story, I remember when we had fires in, in, in the past, the guy that does work on my four-wheel uh, drive truck uh, at a four-wheel shop, he said, you know, I was asking him, I was like, oh, you know, there's a fire uh, up on the ridge. Do you know where it's at? And he was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of in the canyon. And, and he asked me, he was like, where do you live? And I said, well, I live in Lower Paradise near the hospital. He's like, you'll be fine. Um, they'll never let the hospital burn. So, and that conversation had a, happened a year prior. And that was kind of like my, I, I thought it was the, the truth with a capital T, right? I'm like, oh, right. I'm the hospital. They'll never let the fire or the hospital burn. And so when my neighbor said the hospital was on fire, it, they, the reality hit me, uh, Devin, Josh, that, oh, wow, this is, this is real. It's close and it's time to move. And so um, another thing, these propane tanks started going off, like, like, one by one, just one after them, boom, 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 these loud propane tanks. It sounded like, you know, I mean, I've never been in a war zone, but it, it definitely sounded like uh, a war zone. And so it was just one after, the, one, uh, one after the other blowing up. And I was like, what is going on? And then it got really dark. It was raining ash. And then my power goes out. 
And because it was like nighttime, I had to scramble up my flashlight. So I did the, the rest of my packing uh, by flashlight. Um, and yeah, I got the, the dogs in, the, in, in my car, my truck and packed whatever I could. And, you know, there's times where I was, I would, I would see something, an item sitting on a table or a desk or, or, or some nightstand. I would think, oh, I'll, I'll just come back for it, right? Because we've had evacuations before. It's pretty common in our area. You know, you evacuate and you come back. Sure. Um, in my mind, in those moments, I'm thinking, oh, I'll come back and I'll grab that, not knowing that that wasn't going to be uh, reality. And so um, when I left, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, it wasn't a, a difficult evacuation situation for me. I, I got out just in time. I missed the mass caravan and evacuation. And so I just want to be upfront that I was very lucky, unlike some of uh, my, my, my friends and people that I know that got stuck in lines of cars for hours that had to abandon their vehicles and drive on, you know, ATVs down the ridge. And, and I mean, people were running out of gas and having to abandon their vehicles and run down the road. So I, so I heard these stories. I had, um, I was lucky enough to, to leave early enough to where I didn't get stuck and, and all that. Um, but it was definitely, um, uh, a very scary and challenging time. And so um, the, the second part of your question, um, how did I maintain positive and be resilient? I mean, that's, that's a great question. Uh, you know, resilience, right, is, is one of those things where you can't manufacture it, uh, really. I mean, you can build resilience, but resiliency and resilience comes through challenges and, and obstacles. And so you have to to have been challenged and face obstacles in order to build resilience. And so in that way, I was lucky to have faced some challenges growing up, raised by a single mom. I didn't have a rough life, but I mean, we, we faced some challenges and, and, and I learned a lot from my mom on how to be resilient um, based on her experiences as a single mom and just other uh, challenges that I'd faced. So I was, I was lucky to have, have had to overcome some obstacles um, growing up. And it served me well later in life. And then, um, you know, I got to a certain point and I think it was part of my athlete background is I always uh, wanted to be the best version of myself. And, and this is important because I got to a point where I, I just wanted to be a better, better person, better human being. So I, I would start reading for pleasure and I got really into psychology and positive psychology. And so I just wanted to, to train my mind to, to be strong. And so I share that because I do believe that that, those past experiences of just wanting to learn how to be mentally tough um, served me well. So um, that was definitely part of it as well. So, um, yeah. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. Yeah, for that's sure. De- I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Um, the mentally tough part with what you went through, that's definitely a, help me out. What's the word? I don't want to say underestimation, but that's a, well, I mean, something that, I mean, you don't, in those moments, right. You just don't even think about it. You're thinking about right. like, how did you even, how did you even yeah, get yeah. through this tough situation? It's like, Oh, he's an athlete. He had an athletic background. So of course, like, and like you said, you, all those experiences from when you were younger with single mom and all that stuff, like all of that is a part of your, your mental toughness makeup. And yeah. so, um, you know, we always talk about, you know, how, and, you know, like we said earlier in this podcast, how the things you learn as an athlete will hopefully benefit you down the road. Right. And this is a, a terrible circumstance, but I mean, 
how much did those things come in play mm-hmm. when it was time to, you know, kind of bear down and, and keep moving and in such a difficult situation, like that mental toughness from being an athlete really did pay off, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, again, not how you want it to pay off, but you know, when, when life throws a curveball at you like that, um, you know, the mental toughness is kind of all you have, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I was gonna ask you too. So during, during all of this craziness, like, was it, was it difficult coordinating with your family too? Cause yeah. So that's a great question. Um, that's another thing I, I will have to share is I was lucky in the sense that my son at the time was attending school in Chico. So he was down in the valley, um, and at that point, um, you know, safe to my knowledge because the the fire was was up in paradise. Um, and then my wife, you know, works in in, in Chico, uh, so that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there was that relief. I, I'm laughing because um, she'll kill me for sharing this, but I have to share. Uh oh, uh oh. So she before I left the office to go up to to the house, um, she you know we were on the phone and and. And she received the evacuation orders as well. So she was going to meet me up there and help me pack and stuff. And at that point, you know, I'm just, I didn't realize how bad it was. I don't think anybody did. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. So she's leaving her, her job and, and I'm, I love mine. And so I got there up there first. And so I'm kind of packing things up and it hit me. Like I had this moment where I was like, Oh shoot, like Alina's on her way up here. And I, and, and because at that point I knew how bad it was, um, I frantically was trying to get a hold of her and, I called and she didn't answer and I just text uh texted her the first thing I think of I said don't come up right don't come up and um and then I continued you know packing up and then kind of went through went through that process um so uh I'm driving off I'm literally driving off and one thing I do I check on a neighbor uh because one of their cars is in front of their house and I'm pounding on door um just seeing if I can help them with anything um and I remember no one came to the door and that, that haunted me. Uh, I, I found out later that they had left the car and no one was home and they're fine. But it was, it was one of those moments too. It's like, Oh my gosh, like I hope they're going to be okay, but I had to go. So I'm dry. I'm about to leave uh, the driveway. My wife calls and says, Hey, what's going on? I said, Hey, it's really bad. Just turn around. I'm leaving now. It, it, it the fire is close. I got to get out of here. Uh, I love you. Uh, just, just stay where you're at. And then she's like, uh, she asked me, um, what did you pack? And I said, I got, I got it to go bag for you. And, um, and then she asked me, well, did you get, <laughs> she asked me something along the lines of, did you grab my toiletry bag? And she was, she was, she had like this itemized list, <laughs> but she had no idea. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. So there's, sure. there's context. Sure. Yeah. In this area, like fires is a thing you evacuate, you come back. Right. Hopefully right. your house is okay. Right. We yeah. didn't realize that this was going to be like the worst, you know, mm-hmm. fire ever. Right. So, um, so I'm trying to remain calm. So talk about like, you know, being calm and positive. I just, I wanted to be calm for her. I didn't want her to freak out, uh, and be worried about me, but I said, okay, what do you want me to grab? Cause she, she kept on saying, well, did you grab this? I'm like, tell me where it's at, Elena. Just tell me where it's at. <laughs> and she's like, well, I think it's, I'm like, okay, I, I will grab it, but you need to tell me now because I have to go like it. And so she's like, forget about it, you know? And so I hang up and then I just, <laughs> Um, wow yeah yeah Um, Yeah. well like yeah her not knowing how bad it is i'm trying to think like from a honestly from a from a woman's standpoint like all that the toiletry stuff is important to us so i probably would have done the same thing like 
wait, what did you grab of mine? If you're not going to let me come up with Aaron Pack, did you grab my stuff? Did you grab this? So I'm thinking like, I think I would, if I did, you know, not knowing, and like you said, no one really knew right. how bad it was. Probably even to your point, even you, you just knew you had to get the heck out of there now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I could totally see myself doing that as well. Yeah. <laughs> to grab all the things, grab all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Deb, just, just um, based on experience, um, if you're ever in that situation, just, just <laughs> let the guy go. Just say, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there's, there's CVSs and, and Walgreens all <laughs> right. over the place. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Noted. <laughs> That's Noted. good. That's good. Yeah. Noted. Yeah, man. It's just a, a, a wild, wild situation. Obviously I'm, I'm glad that you and your family are good and, and safe and all that. I, uh, for my, for my nine to five job, um, I work for the state and we actually, for the over a cu- last couple of years, we've been asked to to um, go to those uh, local assistance centers that pop up when these wildfires happen. I didn't go up to Chico, but I did go up to Santa Rosa a few times, and I went to some of these different places. And um, it really is a moving experience going up there and you know trying to give information, trying to help as much as you can. I mean, you're, we're just sitting at a table trying to help them with the information that we have. Yeah. But I mean, I remember just hearing people talk about these horrible stories about how they said, yeah, we were driving, you know, away from our home. And as we were driving, we were seeing these cars that were, you know, just the back was empty of a van or excuse me, the back was open of a van, half packed suitcases on the ground just because yeah. it, it moves so quickly that you, like you said, you think you have plenty of time. And then all of a sudden you're in this, you know, moments later, you're like, Oh, I got to get out of here. I came and grab the rest of the stuff that mm-hmm. I was hoping to grab. So, um, and so obviously hearing it from your perspective, man, um, just crazy. It's, it gives me chills to even, to even hear that story. It's crazy. But, uh, um, but thank you so much, man, for sharing. I I do think that's a really important thing for people to hear, especially, I mean, we, we know some people that are kind of in those areas too. So I think for our, you know, coaches and athletes who are hearing this from someone who was directly affected by it, I think it's going to be a a really uh, a moving thing for them too, I think. So we appreciate you sharing that, man. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we want to be respectful of your time. So we have a couple more questions. Sure. One, I'm really interested in hearing the answer to this question. Which coach or teacher has had a major or had a major impact on your life? And who could you give credit to as far as, you know, why you are the coach you are, or why you are the, yeah. the husband, father, you know, um, boss you are, who would you, who's been an influence in your life in that respect? Um, well, in, in respect to time, right? There's there's a long list, right? I feel like I'm accepting an, uh, an award, like an Academy Award. <laughs> I need to pick, like, who am I gonna offer my uh, my thanks and gratitudes uh, toward? But um, yeah, I have a quick story. You know, yeah. um, as you can see, I, I like telling stories. Is yeah. how I connect with people. Um, I'm saying you'd be a good podcaster, man. You're already uh, halfway. There you go. I'm bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but in sixth grade, you know, I went to the school, it was called the uh, St. John Vianney and it was a, a Catholic school. And, uh, I, there was this uh, tournament, a two on two tournament. It was a father son tournament. And so, um, it was a big deal at, at the school. And I also, uh, was part of this extension program. So it was our after school program. So my mom worked and she couldn't pick me up when school ended. So I, I went to this after school program and there was this, this extension staff member, his name is Fred. I remember Fred, he was a star athlete at Sac State. He was a phenomenal track star. And my buddies and I, who were part of the extension program, would play basketball. He was a great uh, basketball player as well. We were just in awe of this guy, right? 
And so he asked me, and I can't remember like how long before it was the tournament. He said, Hey, are you going to, um, you know, do the, the two on two, uh, father son basketball tournament. And I don't think he exactly knew my story. And I remember feeling kind of embarrassed and, and ashamed. And I said, ah, you know, I really don't have a dad, so I can't really enter it. He's like, Oh, okay. And I don't think he asked me in that moment, but at some point in time, he uh, asked me one day uh, leading up to the tournament, he's like, hey, you know, is it cool if I'm your, your teammate? And I remember the first thing I thought was, heck yeah, because he was a phenomenal athlete. And I, all I could think about was the fact that we would be unbeatable. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude. Um, but more so, it was just really a huge moment in my life because I did feel dejected because basketball was my sport and I love basketball but you know if you don't have a dad I guess you can't compete in that 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 tournament and so there's a layer to this in addition to that so on the day of the tournament I'm on one end of the court and I'm warming up and I'm I'm shooting and a a guy walks up and he says hey what's your name and I said you know Bobby Clark uh, um, because back then I was embarrassed on my hyphen and last name so I just said Bobby Clark he's like Bobby Clark you have a really sweet jump shot and I was like, oh, thanks. And this person was our eighth grade basketball coach, Coach Daryl Pratt. And when you're at St. John Vianney, like as you're, you know, going through the grades, you want to play for Coach Pratt. He was like the man, right? He, he played ball at Cal State Fullerton. And so, I mean, I thought like a celebrity, like the most amazing basketball coach in the world at that point in my life complimented me. And I remember that moment I said, basketball is my sport. Um, I loved it, but I was on the fence. And and so from that moment on, I just wanted to impress Coach Pratt and I wanted to get better and better to to live up to this standard that he had set by just complimenting me. That little compliment, that one day, <laughs> on top of the fact that this other person stepped in to be my, my honorary teammate. Uh, yeah, I mean, so those uh, moments were, were huge in my life. And then I went on to to play for an amazing coach, Coach Bob Jones, who was like a father to me as well. Um, this, this, he, he never cussed. It is crazy. Like, I kid you not, like he was incapable of cussing. Um, I, by the way, was not that coach. Um, but, <laughs> and so I'm just thinking when we think about character, when we think about uh, people that are about what they talk about, right? Like he was just, he, he, he lived and breathed uh, being a good man. And so I was lucky to, to be mentored by uh, coach Bob Jones and then uh, coach Forkham at Sierra College later in my life became a career mentor um, uh, but yeah so those are probably as far as coaches um, individuals that to this day are still important parts of my life that's, that's awesome. great that's a pretty solid lineup and so they yeah. have a, a pretty <laughs> tremendous impact in one way or the other as yeah. you went along so I mean that's that's huge, man. When you, when you go through your entire athletic career and you have that many great coaches, I mean, that's, that's an amazing, amazing thing that we don't really think about until we look back and we realize, man, that like did have a, a major impact on the person I am today. So man, I, I love hearing stories like that. That's why we do this because we want coaches to be those kind of examples for people. So that's great to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so coach, we have a, another question for you. So we ask all of our guests this question. So this being the Character Combine podcast, um, we want to know what does character mean to you and just how important is it in, you know, in the athletic world and, you know, teaching it, you know, coaches teaching it to athletes, mentors teaching it to athletes, and just kind of how all of that ties into the um, athletic world and the real world too. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, I know it's kind of cliche, but I do believe in, in some of the common words to define it, right? So doing the right thing when no one's looking. Um, I've just been blessed to, to actually have been coached by individuals where I can say that um, they, they lived what they preached. And so I think that's important. I think it's leading by example, um, you know, fortitude, you know, uh, being resilient. I think uh, character also, uh, you know, not necessarily being perfect, but striving to be the best version of yourself, um, especially when times are, are challenging and difficult. Um, I think that that is an important characteristic of, of uh, character and um, owning your, your humanness, right? Uh, I'm big on this. You know, I think from a coaching perspective, um, you don't have to be perfect, but to own your mistakes and, and model that you can learn and grow from those. And, and you know, the best that we can do is just uh, continue to improve, um, I think is important. Um, and, and humility as well. I think it goes hand in hand. So um, having the courage to fail, all those things, I just, it, it's so important. Um, and so I, I will say, Josh, you know, you were uh, uh, very flattering early on, but I will say the reason why um, I was so open to having you be a part of um, my, 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 really my coaching, I would say process, right? Um, I was bringing you in um, not as a compliment, like to me, uh, what the work you were doing, uh, trying to promote character with uh student athletes was the work and, and what I was doing as a coach was just uh, you know kind of second place so um, I think character especially nowadays uh, in the coaching world is is really even more important we need we need more coaches to to uh, shine and and, and uh, teach character to our athletes that's a that's a great way to, to wrap it up I, I can't think of a better way to wrap it up than that yeah um, Man, this is this has been fun, man. Uh, I had no, I've been, I think I, I messaged you quite a That's while perfect. ago, maybe a year ago. That it's like, man, I would if you ever come into Sacramento, we got to get you on the podcast. And um, fortunately and unfortunately, we started doing Zoom, uh, yeah. Zoom podcast because everything's going down. So this is perfect timing. And I think, man, everything that you've said, what you stand for, uh, what you believe in, and in your message is uh, is well timed, especially for everybody you know, everybody that's dealing with all this craziness right now. So, uh, man, we definitely appreciate what you're doing and continue to do with all the student athletes and young people, um, over there at Butte college, man, we appreciate you for sure. Um, what, uh, yeah, I don't know, can you, they, coach. can they follow you anywhere, social media, places like that? Or are you like, nah, I don't want the people to follow me. I mean, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I have a Twitter account. I can't even honestly remember what it is anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you know, Facebook, Robert Withrow Clark. Um, yeah. Is that even a thing anymore? Um, That's how we yeah. got in contact today for this podcast. So I think so. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm love to connect with other people. So uh, Josh, you're, you're more than welcome to share my contact information, but um, I appreciate you all having me. Um, Deb, it was awesome meeting you virtually. Yeah. Um, uh, you're yeah. definitely the, the, the better half of this podcast. Josh is oh, I. For sure. No, no, I, man, you're getting an argument for me. That's true. <laughs> I have to, I get to edit for this thing. That's what that takes on. I just, so. <laughs> yeah, I just uh -oh. sit here and laugh and ask questions every once in a while. That's all I do. 
That's okay. That's okay. We we need that right now. So that's perfect. Uh, Deb, where can they follow us? You guys can follow us on um, uh, Twitter. I I almost I almost followed Bobby Spitzes. I'm like I don't even remember Twitter. Twitter at Sports Character, Instagram at Character Combine, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Did I say all that right? I think so. Okay. We'll find out. We'll find out. So, Coach, thank you so much, man. Yeah, when we go, (laughs) if we start losing people or we don't get any followers, we'll know that you messed up somewhere. So, (laughs) she was just trying to make me feel good about my lame social media presence. Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. Look <laughs> at that. He's, even as we're, as we're exiting this podcast, he's still trying to motivate and inspire. We appreciate you, Coach. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, right. Coach.